Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Your talking points are high-end VIP lifestyle. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. I hope you and everybody out there had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we at least got two of the three games on Thanksgiving that were good and competitive to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. I uh, I had a good Thanksgiving. Um, uh, yeah, those games were good. I didn't... I didn't uh, even watch like the last half of the <laughs> the night game, unfortunately, which ultimately, with luck, could have been a pretty pretty darn good shootout. I think, considering that Pittsburgh defense is in their vulnerability, but uh, yeah, but uh, that Vikings game was almost a carbon copy of their last game versus uh, versus Detroit until those final couple of minutes. But uh, yeah, definitely definitely good football to watch and pretty pretty awesome college action all weekend too with the rivalry games. But got a great show for you playing today. I'm going to get to some Week 12 thoughts here in a second. Uh, waiver fodder, a little dynasty dilemma as we pit two rookies against each other in Michael Thomas and Sterling Shepard. Um, Twitter hates Sterling Shepard. They like their mom a little bit better. But uh, uh, some sitter starts. I uh, got, a, got a more trades than usual this week. Um, just because it's essentially trade deadline week everywhere. I'm going to do a little prospect watch as we look at Charles Harris, defensive end, Missouri, and Josh, Char- excuse me, Taco Charlton, defensive end, uh, Michigan. And then, of course, Chuck's going to stop by as well with some ATS picks for us here at the end of the show. Uh, Nick, what are some of your thoughts on week 12? Well, you know, a lot of guys performed who usually do perform. Drew Brees had five total scores. Mike Evans and Odell Beckham each with two touchdowns. David Johnson over 100 receiving yards. But, you know, that's not really huge news. We expect those guys, those, those games from those guys. So I want to focus on some defensive stuff this week. You know, starting on Sunday night, Von Miller and Justin Houston each had three sacks. Houston also added a forced fumble to that. Uh, your guy, Khalil Mack, showed why he's one of the brightest young stars on defense in the NFL. He had a sack, a forced fumble, fumble recovery, and a really sick interception return for a touchdown. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul also caught a ball out of the air, which was ruled a fumble, uh, and returned it for a score, something we didn't know if he'd be able to do with only half a hand. Uh, you know, JPP also had three sacks and a forced fumble. It's nice to see him being recovered now from that fireworks injury. Uh, back to the offensive side of the ball, you know, if you took a flyer last week on guys like Quincy Inunua, Marquise Wilson, Ted Ginn, or Colin Kaepernick, you were definitely thankful last weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I touched on uh, Kaepernick in my dynasty stock report as a, a possible sell high, so make sure you check that out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I tried to cough away and ended up coughing right in the microphone. But uh, talked about Colin Kaepernick and the Dynasty Stock before this morning as a potential sell-high candidate. Uh, interestingly enough, he hasn't thrown for three touchdown passes or rushed for 100 yards in a game in almost two years, and he's never done that in the same game. So uh, uh, and we have no idea where he's going to be next year. I mean, the uh, 49ers 
basically did not start him until his contract was restructured to where they could cut him at the year at the end of the year. And I do ultimately think that will happen unless I, I, I guess I just don't know any way around it. They want that money off of the books. It's not that he's playing bad. He's just making way too much money. Um, a couple thoughts I, th- I had, as I saw Tyrell Williams and, um, Central Edmond go off on Sunday for the Chargers. They're fully healthy next year. You know, I know Woodhead's up there in age, but if he comes back, if Keenan Allen comes back, if Travis Benjamin ever gets healthy, this team could be a target share mess next year, don't you think, Nick? I mean, they got so much talent, and it's great that Edmond and Williams are getting all this experience right now. Um, and they got Hunter Henry up the middle. It's just going to be a complete mess, don't you think? Uh, it could be, but it seems, though, whenever Keenan Allen is healthy, he does get a lion's share of the targets. So I would exclude him from the group of uh, target share mess, but, you know, provided that he's fully at 100% healthy when the season begins. But, but yeah, the rest of the guys, it could be a little bit sketchy. Yeah, you know, and if they if they address that offensive line like they need to, I mean, they, they don't even really need Keenan Allen, I don't think. I mean, I know he's he's a stud, and – but he does have the health issues, but I just think he's been playing. These other guys have been playing really, really well, but I I don't think they, you know, they obviously don't need him to win games right now. So if they could address that offensive line, I think it'd be good. And I think the fact that their rivers is getting more confidence than a lot, a lot of other players could mean that with those Keenan Allen, 15 target games could be, could be a thing of the past. It's certainly if it's going to keep him healthy. Um, uh, like Nick said, uh, Justin Houston back in the house. Uh, Ten tackles, I think, three sacks and a forced fumble. Un- unbelievable return. I I don't even know D Ford's rosterable anymore. Maybe Bill Bill and Chris will address that on the IEP podcast later tonight. But I he's got a whole bunch of points, but uh, I just don't know what what his role is going to be with Ali and and uh, Houston back. I mean, obviously. Dynasty formats, he's certainly a hold because Tabahali is up there. I think he's 35 years old, but uh, it's, he's not a guy that you're going to roll out there, certainly. And and how about the Saints scored 49 points? Brandon Cooks, zero targets on 45 snaps. Um, apparently, it was a new wrinkle in the offense. I don't know if it was just for that game, but uh, that's not going to he, – he's reportedly a little upset by it, and obviously he would be, but uh, – just thought that was an, an interesting note, and we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that more in our dilemma. But, uh, any other Week 12 thoughts or notes there, Nick? Um, how about Devontae Adams for Green Bay? You remember when he basically, you know, a year or two ago, people said he couldn't do anything right on the field, and now he's just seemingly tearing it up week after week. Oh, yes. Yeah, and after <laughs> – that just reminded me of I need – me needing 15 points from Randall Cobb on Monday night. And after 10 in the first half, I was uber excited. and He got absolutely nothing in the second half. But anyway, uh, that's kind of fallen into a target share mess too there with Ty Montgomery. But, yeah, Devontae Adams certainly has shown a lot of growth. You know, some people thought, you know, maybe Derek Carr was making him look good at Fresno State. That That is obviously not, not the case. Um, Aaron Williams, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers also makes – people look good but uh he's certainly he's certainly taken a good step in the right direction and i'm sure i've said this before in the podcast nick but man aaron will aaron Rodgers might throw the best ball in the nfl i love watching that guy throw passes 
especially that deep ball, it just looks so effortless, and it's just, boom, 40 yards downfield, don't you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And that second touchdown pass to uh, Devontae Adams especially, that was a thing of beauty, right? Oh, yeah. And then I think in the second half, third quarter, they came out and completed like a 50-yard bomb ten. It was just – and it, he just – yeah, he makes it look so effortless. It's just unreal. Um, any waiver fodder for this week? Any, any names you're looking at there, Nick? Well, another week and another excellent waiver column from DFW's Joseph, Joseph Viveros. Make sure to check that out. Uh, I definitely agree with some of his names, like uh, Jacksonville's Denard Robinson at running back would be a pretty good short-term uh, ad. Uh, and if for some reason Kansas City's Tyreek Hill and New York Jets' uh, Quincy Nunwa are available, those guys are must-ads. Uh, one guy I'm going to actually mention is Robert Griffin. Now, by no means am I saying that he'll start to have a long, healthy, productive career. And even if he starts, I would have to be pretty desperate to use him. But he's also a guy I don't want to face in fantasy playoffs either if I'm facing a team that is shorthanded quarterback position. Those running quarterbacks just sometimes have crazy good fantasy games, even if they're not great players. You know, just look at Colin Kaepernick this last week, three touchdowns to the air and over 100 yards rushing being the most recent uh, example. You know, he and many of his Cleveland, Cleveland teammates are going to be playing for their NFL futures, and I'd way rather have him tucked away on my bench than have to face the wounded dog in the playoffs. Now, Josh, i got to ask you, too, about the uh, three Philadelphia wide receivers, Bryce Treggs and Paul Turner. Do you like one or both of those guys? And if Nelson Aguilar is by chance on waivers, would you take a flyer on him, keeping in mind that, you know, like we said earlier, it wasn't too long ago Devontae Adams couldn't seemingly couldn't do anything right on the field. He was under 500 yards and only four touchdowns in his first two years. So we've seen guys break out in their third year before. Any, any chance for Aguilar? Oh, I think there's a chance. I'd be willing to take a gamble on him if somebody dropped him. Um, I, I, I think, you know, the next couple of weeks really determine if he's able to be active and get back on the field and make some plays. Um, if he if he's inactive the rest of the year, I can I can see dropping him. But, the, you know, with roster expanding in the offseason, I think he's still, he's still a hold until you kind of know exactly where he is. Um, uh Time and time again, and I know it's preseason. I, every time I saw Paul Turner make plays for the, for the Eagles in the preseason, I was just like, "Wow, where is this kid coming from, and how is he going to get on the field?" Considering the rest of the wide receiver core, uh, but I really like him. Um, I actually wrote about Bryce Triggs when he wrote about the 49ers and Chip Kelly because he was on their roster at that time. Uh, he, he's an interesting little player. He's a little bit of a, a Tavon Austin kind of gimmicky type of player, but. Uh, um, if they could put him in situations to be explosive, you know, like like they do with uh, with Derek Darren Sproles every now and then, um, I, I, he's he's certainly an add in, in deeper leagues. Um, Got to be encouraged by DGB kind of owning that one first drive of the game there for the 49ers. Uh, you know, he could be a he would be somebody certainly I'm definitely more looking to break out uh, next year. But uh, if Aguilar is on waivers, I'm certainly taking certainly taking a look at him. Um, but like I said. The, Next couple weeks will really determine, you know, how how he is and what what his fate is with that organization. I mean, because I don't see them releasing him. Um, you know, I'm talking obviously waivers fantasy football wise, but I don't see the Eagles releasing a former first round pick after just two seasons. I know, I know they had some issues, but I think he'll get a chance to hit his head head screwed on straight. And again, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but uh, he's certainly worth a worth a shot if somebody wants to drop him so um i i little encouraged about denard robinson too um 
Yeldon was hurt. Um, I think he suited up, but he didn't do a whole hell of a lot there. So I don't know what kind of uh, production we're going to see out of out of him, uh, I think it might just be like a one-week thing. Or if you, if you have Yeldon or Ivory, obviously it's, he's a he's a decent guy to have, uh, you know, in a pinch or as a handcuff type of player. But I, I don't know what what the future is there. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick played a pretty decent game. If you need QB depth, I, I know it sounds weird to say, but if you need QB depth down the stretch, he might not be a bad person to to grab. You know, you're not starting him right away, but considering that he played pretty good against the solid New England defense, I, I was pretty intrigued by that. Um, and uh, Clive Walford, a guy that I am growing more and more in love with, even though he's kind of struggled this year. But he had made a couple big plays, and I, I really like to think that he's going to be a breakout candidate there for my Oakland Raiders next year. Uh, any any thoughts on Walford or Fitzpatrick? Um, I agree with you 100% on uh, Walford. I'm I'm really uh, high on him heading into the future, especially since you know tight ends typically take three years before they become uh, viable fantasy options. Uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, obviously, like we've said many times, every starting quarterback has value, but he's not a. If if I've got other options to look at, I'm probably looking elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, he he's a desperation ad, but you know, two quarterback leagues, you know, maybe somebody I mean not probably, no but probably somebody's not dropping him, but if you, you know, if you're holding a a younger quarterback and maybe maybe he's worth a worth a chance. We don't know where he's gonna be next year, but it's nice to have uh Q B depth for sure. Um let's do a little dynasty dilemma here, Nick. Well Nick had the chance to go first here as we put Michael Thomas versus Sterling Shepard. Um, Nick had the option to go first, so I will I'll play the short clip. Well, first off, did you see that Eli Manning apologized to Sterling Shepard for Shepard not getting a catch last week? So here we have a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback apologizing to a rookie for using a game plan which resulted in the New York Giants victory. That, to me, strikes me as a big red flag on the diva meter. You know, other than that, though, I really do like Sterling Shepard. He's a good <laughs> player, and he's in a he's in a good situation too. He's just not as good in my mind as Michael Thomas. You know, first off, Thomas is six foot three, has a five inch size advantage that should mean more touchdowns, provided both players have careers of similar length and health. Uh, Shepard will forever be New York Giants wide receiver, too, as long as Odell Beckham is a thing. While Thomas is already at least New Orleans' wide receiver 1A, if he hasn't already surpassed the diminutive Brandon Cooks, who, like Shepard, had zero catches last week, while Thomas had nine catches, 108 yards, and two scores versus L.A. That was his second two-touchdown game this season. Right now, Thomas has 68 catches, 65 catches, 789 yards, and seven scores. Those are all number one in the NFL for rookie wide receivers. Uh, Thomas has contributed every week with four catches for 40 yards versus Denver's elite defense being his season low. The biggest knock I hear on Michael Thomas is that his quarterback, Drew Brees, is in his final seasons, but Eli Manning is no spring chicken either. Plus, talented wide receivers can usually perform no matter the quarterback. For example, uh, Thomas is 65 
five catches, has him seventh in the NFL. Whereas you look at Denver's pair of wide receivers, Thomas and Sanders, those guys aren't far behind. Each of them has at least 60 catches also. So even without an elite quarterback, I believe Thomas has the talent to produce, you know, provided the Saints don't go out and acquire Brock Osweiler. What do you got, Josh? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just I want as a side note, I, I I always put these to a Twitter vote, and Michael Thomas won by like seventy eight percent. Sterling Shepard got three percent, um, I believe. Yeah, finished with three percent. And because I was drinking when I posted it online, I wrote a third option as your mom, and your mom beat uh, Sterling Shepard by about eighteen percent. So <laughs> apparently, people think very highly of their mothers out there. Um, but uh, I just I thought. I, I, for for the longest time, I think for 12 hours of that 24-hour vote, Sterling Shepard didn't even have a vote. He had 0% for the longest time. So obviously it came at a bad time to do this dilemma as I choose these dilemmas, usually right after the podcast going into the next week. And one thing I dislike about in-season football is things change uh, so much. And obviously, like I said, it was a, it was a bad week. I really love the offseason. But anyway, what Sterling Shepard, now obviously, versus Michael Thomas. I've been very vocal lately about my love for the consistency that Thomas has been able to show, even though he is a rookie. He, he's certainly making waves. While I feel Thomas is ahead of where most of us thought he would be at this point, Shepard is still plugging away. He has, he has at least six PPR points in all but two games. Thomas may have better numbers right now, but in the long run, I believe Shepard could have a more successful career. He is somewhat limited by Odell Beckham, but I think in the, he is more so helped by him because you know he's going to be seeing single coverage a majority of the time. Thomas has Brandon Cooks and will least need to run with. That also means his that also means his target share will be limited. Also, opponents will figure out how to limit Thomas and possibly take him out of games. And like I mentioned before, with Brandon Cooks. And not having any tar- targets last week, I think the Saints could have potentially have some game plans where Thomas is used as a decoy. The Saints' offense, I believe, is entirely too complex to feature one player exclusively. Now, Thomas is kind of bumping that trend this year, but we'll see how, how it moves next year when he's clearly the, the top person to defend within their passing game. Shepard certainly has a herd of disciples that preach about him. Some some of those sickles may even offer you a trade offer for him, uh, but uh, he is still just I think a great a great hold for me. Um, you know he's he's got that forty one inch vertical. Um, he's even though he he's only five ten, he just he has that he just defies logic with that type of vertical, and he's playing on ninety percent of the snaps for the Giants. So I think that really makes him. Uh, He's not necessarily a sexy player right now, but he's certainly an ultra-stable player. In fact, like I said, with the 95% snap share count, uh, that's that's for uh, Shepard. Oh, Beckham plays in 96%, so that's how much they like this rookie Shepard. Um, and coincidentally, no Saints wide receiver sees more than 79% of the snaps. So uh, I, I think Shepard certainly has an opportunity to, to gain – what he's doing, and I just don't know what Thomas is going to look like in the future. Like I said, they're just we've seen this over the years. There's not one guy that gets over 150 targets. There's a whole whole bunch of guys that get 80 to 120. So I we'll see we'll see how that uh, 
works out in the end. But any any rebuttal there, Nick? Um, no, I'm just going to add that both of these guys are pretty fine players. And, you know, owners of guys like uh, Corey Coleman, Josh Doxson, and Laquan Treadwell, who all went pretty much universally ahead of these two in uh, fantasy drafts last uh, offseason, got to be kicking themselves and wishing they had came away with one of these two guys instead. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought about that, too. I had two picks in one of our leagues, and I took Treadwell with the second pick, and I took Thomas with the ninth pick. And there's about a 179-point difference between those two right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a – yeah, it's it's quite the – and the crazy thing is it keeps – if you took Thomas, you probably took him, you know, I would say maybe picks six to ten in your rookie draft. That means you're hopefully getting getting enough out of him to push yourself into the playoffs because, you know, Likely, likely one of those bottom dwellers could have used his production more. Um, coincidentally, too, I think what you see, Thomas has caught, excuse me, sixty-five balls on the year. Yep, yep. Yeah, he's never caught more than fifty-six in his college. Fifty-six was the season high with, uh, in college. So <laughs> interesting. Uh, he's already surpassed that um, in eleven NFL games. Um, and he's already uh, surpassed the yardage total to his highest yardage total. Or no, oh, sorry, he's ten yards away from it. Yeah, good. You're good. I think you're in a good position to have one of these guys. And I, I just, I was maybe just a little offended by the Twitter vote. I, I know Thomas is probably the better player right now and the hotter name, but I think in the long run, both of these guys are going to be quite similar players there. So, any other thoughts there, Nick? Um, just that I disagree with the Twitter vote, and I do think both of these guys, no offense to anybody's mother out there, but I do, I would rather have these guys on the, on the team. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, both upstanding individuals and great great players there. So um, let's get to some that are start. What do you think about Ryan Tannehill at Baltimore or Joe Flacco versus the Miami Dolphins? Well, Miami somehow is seven and four. I'm not buying them as being legit yet, but that is pretty impressive that they have managed to get that kind of record this year. Uh, but their defense did give up three touchdowns and nearly 300 passing yards to Colin Kaepernick last week, in addition to the 100 rushing yards. So, you know, obviously Flacco's not going to have those rushing yards, but I will take Flacco to produce against that defense. Yeah, interesting. Uh there is they gave up all those yards to to Flacco, but more traditional quarterbacks have have struggled against them. So uh uh yeah, um Tannehill I just I even though he's playing a lot better, I just don't think I can put uh any 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 confidence in him right now. I know he's got that team to a good record and he's he's certainly showing some growth and he's had he's had some down times this year and come out of it, but I think I think Flacco will find the find the vulnerabilities of this Miami defense in uh at, at the, in the home game there in Baltimore. How do you feel about Sam Bradford? Probably pretty desperate to start him. I think against Dallas on Thursday night versus Dallas. Excuse me. 
Yeah, definitely. I'm sitting him if at all possible. Like, like you said, it's a Thursday night game, so there's the stigma about how offenses sometimes struggle on Thursdays. Uh, plus, this Minnesota entire offense has been struggling as of late. The offensive line's not giving Bradford enough time to throw it. You know, I know it is a decent matchup considering they're probably going to be behind in this game as hot as Dallas has been playing all season long, but I, I still don't trust it. I'm going to sit him if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Probably two. I mean, obviously, two quarterback leagues. If he's your second guy, he or second or third guy, this is probably not a bad matchup. Like Nick said, with the the fact that he might be able to throw it, throw the ball more. And he saw this morning that he was calling for some more down throw fields, down the field throws. Uh, so, and I think uh, Stefan Diggs being back will certainly help that. Will help that too, and hopefully get him more yards. What do you think about Alex Smith at Atlanta? Well, I'm going to try to fit him as well. Uh, Kansas City, in my opinion, is going to try to run the ball and keep uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the sidelines as much as they can in this game. So, you know, if they're going with a run-heavy game plan, and a lot of Chiefs games tend to be somewhat low-scoring because of their solid defense, yeah, I just I, I have a hard time seeing a big game from Alex Smith this week. I don't know. I think this game is on – on turf, and they used a little razzle dazzle last week with the, you know the Tariq Hill. Uh, and I know Smith is only one part of that, but I, I, I think this might be a potentially good matchup. And this Falcons defense is, is still not good. They still kind of leave some people out there on an island thinking they're gonna make the play. So I think I think Smith is a smart enough guy to to take advantage of that. I think they could. I think he's certainly certainly worth a play. He's I'd put him, you know, towards the top of not the top. Towards probably, you know, like court, quarterback 11 or 12 this week. I think he's certainly worth worth a shot, a shot out there. Um what do you think about James Starks versus the Houston Texans? Uh, I think it depends on your league. If if it's a PPR league, I think I would go ahead and start him just because he is pretty involved in the passing game. But in standard leagues, I think I'd look elsewhere. Houston's run defense is pretty legit. So I, uh, it just all depends on your league scoring. Start him in a PPR league, though. Yeah. You know, he always seems like the, the hot name when Lacey goes down every year. And, and ultimately, he has been a very good player. But I just – I don't really haven't seen enough of him this year. Obviously, if you had Lacey, you have a big you have a big void in your team. He's probably probably your your best option. And he does he has seen at least four targets over the last month in every game. So he's even though he's not busting out big big plays, he does have two receiving touchdowns against he had one against Tennessee and against Washington. So like Dick said, definitely definitely PPR. But uh, considering he, his 41 yards versus Philadelphia was his biggest output of the season. It's not definitely not a uh, definitely not a standard guy, but uh, PPR only there for James Starks. Uh, what do you think about Jeremy Hill versus Philadelphia? Well, last week, Jeremy Hill only had 21 rushing yards, but he did catch six balls for 61 yards, and that was against a pretty tough Baltimore defense. I would think that Philly's defense would be more friendly this week, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start Jeremy Hill. Especially now that Giovanni Bernard's out, I think Jeremy Hill is, uh, on most cases, a weekly must-start. Yeah, you know, I thought that kind of too last week, and even though he struggled against uh, uh, Baltimore, but... 
you know, we see stats all the time, like, and we quote them too, and I'm not faulting anybody for quoting them, but like, you know, Philadelphia, I don't know what they are right now, but Philadelphia is 21st against running backs, you know, fancy running backs, whatever. And those stats are all fine and dandy, but I want to know what kind of backs have the most success against this. You know, Philly runs that, that wide nine, like I talk about all the time. And, and I think Hill might actually be a guy that could have success because, yeah, he is a bigger kind of a, a bowling ball type of back, but he's not a plotter. He's not a slow-moving muscle through the whole guy. He's a guy that's pretty darn quick, and I think with the fact that they kind of spread out, spread some things out on the defense, if he can hit that hole, he's got enough quickness to break off a couple a couple big runs. So I I, th- I think he's he's definitely a play for me. I, I don't know if I'm so certain starting him every week with Gio gone uh, just because we've seen him not have such a great week last week, but uh, I'm certainly playing him against Philadelphia. And that, that Philadelphia defense has a lot of questions to answer. Well, namely to me, because I thought they're going to be a lot better. But uh, And they started out so hot. But I, I think that defense is going to gel as a whole and be better next year, but not, not this year. I think they're, they're a, nice, a nice juicy matchup for certain types of fantasy players. Uh, what do you think about Theo Riddick at Houston? Uh, is it Theoretic at Houston or New Orleans? I have New oh, I'm Orleans sorry, New down. Orleans. Oh, yeah, it is New Orleans. Sure. I'm sorry. I have no idea why I said Houston. <laughs> just wanted to be sure because the matchup was the whole reason that I want to start Theoretic. Uh, only two teams okay. have given up more points. <laughs> only two teams have given up more points than the 307 points that New Orleans has given up, and that's San Francisco and Cleveland. So pretty much if you're somebody who likes to chase touchdowns, everybody on this uh, Detroit uh, Detroit offense is an option. So I'm going to start Theo Riddick, and I'll probably be starting Anquan Bolden as well. Okay. Um, the I, I guess when I look – sorry, back to Jeremy Hill, when I look at it more, he did have six catches for 61 yards. So that's a pretty nice PPR floor there for Hill. Uh, uh, but uh, we'll see We'll see how he does moving forward there. Um, yeah, I, I – I feel like he's a great play in this one. It's 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 too juicy of an ad. I just I I feel even though that theoretic has been the starter there for the last couple couple probably the month, last month now, I don't feel like he gets he gets enough respect this morning. Um, my 13 year old son on the way to school today asked me, "What do you think's the most underrated player in the NFL, Dad?" And I was just like, "Geez, I don't know." what I think the first thing that popped in my mind was Jarvis Landry and. And probably be Marquette King, but uh, it, you know, my, probably the more that I think about it, I think Theoretic's probably the mo- one of the more underrated running backs. At least you know, you think about it when you think about us, us trying to name somebody like that. I think it's probably more so a uh, position by position type of thing. But uh, uh, Riddick is certainly very underappreciated, especially PPR. I mean, when he gets going, you know, he he would flip the script on this, he would be a nightmare to defend in that Saints scheme. We, we, you know, we see what Reggie Bush type of players can do in that scheme, and I think Riddick is certainly that type of player, maybe maybe even better because he's been a lot healthier than Bush has throughout his career. So long story short, this, yeah, you you got to play Theo Riddick in this one. You know, you said you're playing a lot of Saints in this game. How about – excuse me, playing lots of Lions in this game. How about Eric Ebron, Nick? Went from – Seven catches, 92 yards against Minnesota two weeks ago to zero catches on just one target uh, the following week. How, 
you feeling feeling okay starting him in this game? I think so, and I know it is risky. It seems like the the target share seems to move week to week as far as who Matt Stafford is uh, favoring. You know, whether it be Ebron or Anquan Bolden, or early in the year, of course, it was uh, Marvin Jones. But Golden Tate still has his weeks where he uh, breaks out. But yeah, it's risky. But as thin as the tight end position is around the league, I think I would feel comfortable still starting Ebron. Okay. Um, uh, coincidentally, Detroit. Oh, Ebron last year had four catches for seventy-nine yards versus the New Orleans Saints. So, uh, certainly, certainly an intriguing to get thirteen points or excuse me, eleven points out of your uh, tight end position there. Uh, what do you think about the uh, wide receiver two situation in Dallas? True. Terrence Williams or Cole Beasley at Minnesota on Thursday? Well, when you look at the numbers, Terrence Williams only has one catch each of the last three weeks. He's under 400 yards on the year. So, to me, this one's not even close. And Cole Beasley's worst game this year, he still had three catches for 66 yards. So, that's a really nice high floor. Uh, uh, Williams does catch touchdowns now and then. He had one on Thanksgiving, but I'm still going to go Cole Beasley. Yeah, and I feel like Williams is kind of a hot hand player when he gets that touchdown or when he gets that. They tend to, oh, yeah, I remember he's on their team and use him a little bit more. But, yeah, Beasley is definitely the safer add. And this is, again, you know, one of those things I would really like to have more research into what types of wide receivers are successful versus this type of defense. And I think just – Based on past experience, I think maybe kind of these shorter, quicker guys would have a little bit more experience against uh, Minnesota. It seems like not only is this, you know, Minnesota defense is obviously very good, but it seems like everybody is so tall. It's just, it's, it's, it's a strange, I don't know what their medium height is or anything, but it just seems like there's just such big players at that position there for Minnesota. So I think, I think Beasley finds himself a, a decent game, but, uh, Maybe I just own too many shares of Terrence Williams. I want I want to believe, but uh, uh, what do you think about Dante Moncrief at the Jets or Quincy Inua versus Indianapolis? This is the Monday night game. Well, to me, this one just comes down to a personal philosophy, and that is I don't like playing guys hoping that this is going to be their breakout game. Uh, Moncrief's best performance this year was six catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. That was way back in week one. Uh, so, you know, Inunua, he is hit or miss. I'll, I will admit that, but he's at least hit a few times this season, uh, like last week when he had five catches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, I'm going to go with Inunua. I, I just can't start Moncrief until he shows me something this year. Uh, a fair point, but uh, the the thing I like about Moncrief is he's only, he's missed a bunch of time. He's only played in six games this year, but he has five touchdowns. He has at least one touchdown in all but one game. Uh, so that that's that's a pretty nice a pretty nice floor, and and I I still really believe in him. I think the fact that Daryl Rivas will probably be matched up with T.Y. Hilton, and the Obviously, have Dorsett, even though he's not blowing anybody away stat-wise, he's still a, a threat. I think uh, I think this could be a good week for uh, for Moncrief. You know, even even though they had Scott Tolzien last week, he still found that he still found the end zone. So I think this could be a good good week for Moncrief. Uh, Andrew Luck still in concussion protocol, might I add. So that's that's certainly an, an intriguing thing to that. How how bad 
bad timing for that. Uh, obviously, there's never a good time for a concussion, but bad timing for Luck to get that concussion with two back-to-back primetime games. But uh, he hasn't been ruled out yet, so I'm not making any announcements by any means. Um, Jamison Crowder, Nick. I mean, is anybody benching this guy? He's just, just so productive every week. What do you think about He's got the at Arizona this well, he's at Arizona, which is a scary matchup sometimes for receivers because of Patrick Peterson. But the fact that Crowder's a slot receiver, I don't think he'll get the Patrick Peterson treatment. You know, uh, I'm not an expert on the Arizona defense. It's possible that maybe they move him into the slot, but the majority of defenses keep their outside corners on the outside. Uh, and last week, Atlanta's slot receiver, Gabriel, had a big game, four catches, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. So and I do believe that uh, Jamison Crowder is a far bigger part of Washington's offense than Gabriel is to Atlanta. So, I'm gonna, yes, I'm definitely going to roll him out this week. You know, there isn't any, hasn't been any of the announcements. I know, I know uh, Peterson kind of matched up exclusively with Stefan Diggs in the slot, but uh, uh, be interesting to see who, Pat, I'm sure Patterson will line up on a number of players given, given the situation, you know, like a third and long, maybe he's up against uh, D-Jack, Steph, uh, Deshaun Jackson, but uh this is a good secondary, I guess I believed a little bit more in them than they're producing right now. But, uh, yeah, I just I I can't convince myself to bench Crowder in any leagues that I own him in. I'm happy to have him in so many of them. So he's he's almost the first guy. I, when I set my lineup every week, he's almost the first guy I check the box on because I believe so much in him. And I think he might actually might be the one receiver to have a really big day in this game. Uh, can you pick or can you name who will be the top Jaguar pass catcher versus Denver? Well, you got Blake Bortles coming off a 126-yard game. It's it's really crazy to me how bad this pass, uh, <laughs> passing unit has been this year for Jacksonville. Uh, Allen Robinson's under 600 yards and only six touchdowns. Uh, Marquise Lee is actually only 10 yards behind Allen Robinson this year. I, I'm going to try to avoid all of them, but I just can't bring myself to recommend Allen Hurd or Lee over Allen Robinson. Uh, so you're saying Robinson's going to be the number one guy? Yeah, I, I, that's you know I'm, I'm wouldn't bet money on it, but if I had to pick a guy, it would still be Allen Robinson. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think he he probably gets the Chris Harris treatment. So I don't know if it'll be exclusive, but uh, you know, Talib's no slouch either. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is hard. I'm gonna go Allen Hearns though. It's been a few weeks since he's had a breakout. I know he had a concussion which kind of slowed him down a little bit. But I think this might be this might be Hearns' week to break out. I think he's the guy that can get deep and, and stretch the field. So I think he I think he maybe has one or two big plays in this game and maybe finds the end. So I'll go with I'll go with Allen B. <laughs> the other Allen. Uh yeah, so I'll take Allen Hearns. Um what do you think about ooh, Malik Jackson in that same game versus his former team? Uh, Jackson versus Denver or Allen Branch versus the L.A. Rams? Uh, To me, it's got to be Malik Jackson. I I just have zero faith that the L.A. Rams can sustain drives versus a really good New England defense, uh, the top-scoring defense in the AFC. So, you know, if they can't if the L.A. offense can't stay on the field, that would be unlikely that Allen Branch would uh, be able to have a lot of tackles. So I'm definitely going to go with Malik Jackson here. (sighs) 
I think this might actually be a little bit better game than people think with the the Rams and Patriots. And uh, Malik Jackson, again, thing that probably makes this one look a little further away is he did come out and have a huge game on Sunday. But he's kind of struggled to find stats throughout most of the season. Um, obviously, a little bit extra motivation playing his former team and considering that Denver uh, offensive line, that uh, that makes a, makes a lot of sense in the fact that Denver might have a lead and we'll be running the ball a lot. So, yeah, I think I think he's a good, a good ad. Alvin Branch, though, kind of having a nice uh, resurgent year there for the Patriots. Uh, up there in age and kind of having – one last, uh, one last uh, hurrah there with the Patriots. So have have a good year. Certainly a player, a player that uh, DT worthy in, in those type of leagues there, uh, moving forward for this year. I think he's he's a nice ad because he's he's been producing a, a nice floor there for the Patriots. Uh, didn't want to just just dismiss Mr. Branch there. Uh, what do you think about Todd Davis versus Jacksonville or Devondre Campbell versus Kansas City? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Campbell for the exact same reason as our last matchup. I think Kansas City is much more likely to string long drives together than Jacksonville is. Uh, so more snaps equals more tackle opportunities. So definitely got to side with Campbell. Although Todd Davis is a pretty good player himself. Yeah, kind of coming out of nowhere. And I know Brandon Marshall's been a little bit uh, dinged up there, the middle linebacker there for the Broncos. So may- maybe there's some more snaps there for for Davis. And But the fact not only the fact that Kansas City probably will sustain longer drives, I think the fact that they have such an intermediate passing game will be be good for Campbell. I think he could get definitely a lot more tackle opportunities, maybe a chance for a, for an interception there too. Uh, what do you think about Bradley McDougald at San Diego or Marcus Gilchrist versus the Indianapolis Colts? Well, McDougald has around 20 more tackles in the season than does uh, Marcus Gilchrist. I just think it's a situation where with the New York Jets, their front seven is so strong, especially that defensive line, that uh, runners don't advance to the second level as often as they do against some other defense, and that limits the uh, tackle opportunities for the guys in the secondary. So I'm going to go with a higher floor here this weekend with McDougal. Okay. Um, Yeah, but given the fact that this Jets offense hasn't been doing big things and maybe not sustaining drives too, like Nick said, I think I think McDougal's definitely the safer the safer play and we know uh we know Phillips Phillips Rivers likes to sling that ball around here and there, so I I like that there. Uh what do you think about oh, Dynasty Trade analysis, excuse me, Nick. Um what do you think about Terrell Williams? Tyrell Williams, excuse me, for a 2018 first. I think it's probably fair value. You know, trading a first-round pick two years down the road obviously has less value than trading a 2017 uh, uh, first-round pick. So, you know, uh, I'm assuming the the person that traded away the future draft pick is looking to contend and win it all this year, probably with a pretty veteran roster. So given that that's probably the case, I, I have no problem giving up that for Williams. Yeah, I think that's a pretty – especially because, like we talked about earlier with the with the target share there, we have no – I mean, we have no idea what Tyrell Williams' role next year is going to be, San Diego. Obviously, he's been a great player for them this year, and 
you should be encouraged by his performance, but we don't know what that's going to look like in 2017. So uh, if you if you get an opportunity like that, I think you definitely got to snatch it because, like Nick said, this team could be looking to win now and, you know, kind of throw all their chips into a veteran basket there for uh, the championship. And who knows what their team's going to look like next year. So moving it forward into 2018, that, that pick might be, might be an okay pick. Um, same guy here, Nick Tyrell Williams for Will Fuller. What do you think? Uh, I think it's too early for me to give up on Will Fuller for a guy who was probably available on the waiver wire when the season started. I mean, he spent a first-round pick on the guy, so I I can't give up on him yet since it's still his rookie year. I know he's cooled down since he had the hot start, but still, I, I would hold on to Will Fuller. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think feel like this is a really close one because Williams is certainly a hot name. I think he is a little bit dinged up right now, so that might hurt his present uh, value. But like Nick said, because the fact that Williams was the guy that you got off the waiver wire, if you can, you know, if you can make hay and, and produce that into something else, uh, certainly, certainly not going to be opposed to that. And that's, that's how people make championships is kind of buying low and selling high. It's really, it, it is really that simple sometimes. So um, I don't, if I had Tyrell Williams, I'm not sure Will Fuller would be enough for me at this point. I, I, and if I have Tyrell and treating him, I'm probably not in contention and Will Fuller is good, but I'd I don't know if we have seen – we saw Will Fuller do some really great things for for Houston earlier, but I don't – I just don't know if we're going to see much more of that for him. I think he's a player that you're going to see break out every now and then and have a couple really big games, but kind of kind of struggle, struggle health-wise because he's that deep threat. He's going to take some big hits. I just don't know. I think – I wouldn't fault somebody for getting rid of Will Fuller at this point, I guess. I know I know I know it's early, but if you can produce, you know, get something more for him, potentially a, just a, a safer player, I think I think that's a safe play there. Would you take a 2017 first for Will Fuller, Nick? I mean, obviously you would consider where it is, let's say a mid first. Yeah, I think so, because then you're getting to the fair value. That's probably right about what you spent for him was a mid to late first. So, you know, as long as you're getting, you know, equal value, I don't have a problem flipping that. So you wouldn't take a second then is what you're saying? No, I don't think I'd take a second, unless it was, you know, the top of the second, maybe like the 13th, okay. yeah, 13th or 14th pick maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely too early for that. So um, what do you think about Lamar Miller? and Tyler Eifert for Sammy Watkins in a late first? Uh, I definitely have to side with the team that picked up Watkins in a late first. Uh, we talk about it all the time. The way you build a dynasty team is through young, talented wide receivers, and that's what you're getting in Sammy Watkins. And uh, you're picking up an additional late first-round pick. And what are you giving up? A tight end who has had a lot of problems staying healthy over the years. And Lamar Miller, who's pretty decent right now, but he's he, – he, He's been in the league a number of years now, and running back shelf lives typically aren't that long, so hard to know how long he'll be productive there. So I definitely would side with the, the team that picked up Sammy Watkins, even even with his injury concerns. Okay, um, I wanted to give my buddy my buddy uh, Bobby Koch credit for giving me the 
the Tyrell Williams trade, those were a couple trades that he was pulling off, trying to pull off, and he ultimately pulled off the 2018 first. So I just want to give him credit for giving me those those trades. I thought they were interesting to talk about. Um, oh, a trade I made on Thanksgiving Day. What do you think? I Okay, background. I paid a fifth for Terrence West at the beginning of the season. Um, obviously, he's had some some good weeks, and I probably could, maybe could have squeezed out a little more if I would have told him to trade him when Jeff Melbus had told me to trade him, but I ultimately got a fourth and a seventh back for him. What do you think, Dick? Uh, I think that was definitely fair. Uh, you look at he's basically in a 50-50 timeshare now with Dixon. Both running backs had 13 carries last week. So, you know, especially considering you gave up a fifth form and you ended up getting a fourth plus an additional seventh, I, I think you made out pretty good in that trade. Yeah, and, you know, I guess on the surface it seems, oh, you're getting a fourth for, a, you know, a starting running back, even though he's a timeshare, he's still essentially the starter there. But uh, And he's still a young player. But uh, like I said, considering what I paid, I think I think it's a pretty good uh, pretty good turnaround there. Um, and again, I don't know if I've said this on the show before. I think I've said it on, in a question and answer. But one thing I like to try to do with trades is, like, I'll maybe offer them a trade and then like offer them a trade for a couple picks and then revoke it and then offer it for like, so I'll offer this trade for a fourth and a sixth and then I'll revoke it and then offer it for a fourth and a seventh to make a, make the guy like I'm already thinking, already telling the guy that I've taken myself out of the equation or I'm, I'm, I'm uh, negotiating myself down. Um, or, you offer the trade. I think this case, I offer the trade for the fourth and the sixth. Knowing fall well that I was going to settle for a fourth and seventh, and that's what he came back with. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted anyway. So sometimes it's nice to push the envelope, you know, and sometimes, you know, you're going to get people that just say no and not, not, not even give you feedback. But if you could offer, like if you want to offer a second round or if you want to offer a third round for Knowing full well that you'll you'll trade a third round player, third round pick for a player, or you'll take a third round for a player, offer a second, and just see what happens. <laughs> and then if they come back with a third, you know why not? So if you have a pick in mind that you want for that player, offer a pick ahead of it, and then if they come back with that, then you know. Then I don't know. I don't know. Does that make any sense, Nick? <laughs> I've been able to pull off a couple trades that way. Definitely makes sense as long as you don't go too low ball with your offer, and then sometimes that just completely turns people off, and and you're not able to make any sort of trade whatsoever. But yeah, but yeah one and round. I, just, I think just just one round low. Yeah, no problem with that. Yeah, and I think I did the same thing last year or this year with Mike Gillisley, the the backup running back there in Buffalo. I wanted, I tried, I tried a third. He sent. Yeah, I tried a third and a sixth. He sent back a fourth and a seventh. I was like, sweet, that's all. <laughs> that's all I wanted for him anyway. So, uh, um, where were we? Mike Evans and Derek Henry for Sammy Watkins and Todd Gurley. What do you think? Well, you got Watkins has the injury history. Todd Gurley has college injury history, plus the fact that he plays with the Rams and their non-existent offense. He's really struggled this year. So, being, I would. Uh, I would trade both those guys for Mike Evans straight up, and getting a Derrick Henry is just a icing on the cake, I guess. So yeah, definitely decide to got Evans and Derrick Henry. Uh, yeah, I, th- I like that too. And you know, Derrick Henry had a really good game last week, 
two for the Titans. Um, obviously not a great defense there in Chicago, but uh, he's certainly getting touches now, and he's being groomed to be their starter there, so I, I like that a lot. Um, I, I would agree there with Nick. I, I know Watkins and Gurley seem nice nice and sexy, uh, but uh, when when you have what Evans has already put up in his young young career, and I think he's still getting better, which is scary. I mean, no disrespect to Watkins and Gurley. Like I said, I, I respect both of them for what they are, but they, they are definitely in tough situations right now. Um, that's what is from our staff league here, Nick. Uh, so it's PPR and it's .25 per carry. Uh, C.J. Procise and A.J. Green for Melvin Gordon and Ty Montgomery. What do you think? Uh, I've been going back and forth on this one. I'm not going to lie. I, I think right now I'm siding with the, the side that picked up Melvin Gordon and, and Ty Montgomery, if, especially given the fact that A.J. Green has the injury that he's dealing with now. Uh, plus, he's not getting any younger. It's not like he's a 23-year-old wide receiver compared to a young running back like Melvin Gordon. So their shelf life could be pretty comparable. Uh, I mean, you look at a – we didn't expect Megatron to be retired at this point in his career. So you never know what's going to happen uh, – in the future with those guys that are approaching the age of 30, like AJ green. So I'll, I'll side with the team that picked up Melvin Gordon, although it is pretty close. Yeah. And because, you know, like the point two five per carry comes into play with Gordon being obviously the, the horse there in the backfield for the chargers and, and, and the background on this, um, I don't want to say who it was, but the background on this was, uh, not that they would mind. I just haven't got clearance. Um, and I do everything by the book, of course. But uh, the background of this is the guy that got Melvin Gordon, Ty Montgomery, is the top team in the league contending now. Uh, the other guy is the last – or one of the bottom two or three teams in the league that uh, gave up Gordon, got A.J. Green, and C.J. Procise. And like Nick talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, if you're considering, you know, where your team is at, or if you're not sure if you're a contender or you want to rebuild, even though you have, you know, even though like say you're three and seven or what, you know, three and three and eight or four and nine or whatever, how many games we play? <laughs> Let's say, you, you know, your record is under 500, but like Nick said, like I said a few weeks ago, if you're still scoring, like everybody, you know, if you're still kind of middle of the tier or maybe upper, upper 40% of your league in overall points scored, um, there's, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to break your team up. That means that you know, you're you're obviously in some bad situations and had some really tough matchups. But if you, you know, if you stay the course, or you can, you know, trade a player that's hot right now and get a a, a, a stud wide receiver like AJ Green is, you know, that I think that I think that's a pretty fair deal for both sides there. So I, I think I made sense there, Nick. Right? Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Okay, another Melvin Gordon deal. Uh, Allen Robinson and Kenny Britt for Melvin Gordon. What do you think? Well, I think provided that I was rebuilding, I would trade up Melvin Gordon uh, straight up for Allen Robinson, you know, and so being able to get to Kenny Britt on top of that, it was a nice piece at least for this year, and I don't know what his future is going to be there with the L.A. Rams, but he's definitely been a productive uh, productive player for him this season. And Allen Robinson, he's had this down here, yes, but I, I can't believe that he's not going to bounce back as, as great as he was last season. So, uh, you know, again, as long as you're building for the future, I have no problem giving up Melvin Gordon. 
Well, you know, I was pretty vocal about being wrong about Allen Robinson this this past summer, but uh, he was a prospect that I didn't really like coming out of cause. I thought he was too thin. I thought he's going to have injury history, and that's kind of what his rookie year uh, was like. So I just don't know if I – I and this was actually a trade that was offered to me for Melvin Gordon. I turned it down. I'm not going to make the playoffs, but I don't think that I'm in total full rebuild mode. I think I'm maybe a year away from, from being a contender, maybe a little bit longer. And uh, I asked a lot of people about this trade, and Alan Satterley probably had the best nugget of knowledge back to me. He said, you know, Gordon, you know, where while we saw him struggle as a rookie, I think he definitely has a bit more understanding and of of what he needs to do for this offense. And I think the fact that, you know, Allen just said, you know, Gordon is a stud running back right now and, and how are you gonna replace that if you trade him? And I think I think that makes it makes perfectly good sense. And rather than trade a running back and I have other running backs in this league, I have I have a Jai, I have Kevin Coleman, I have Devontae Booker. I certainly have guys that I could feel comfortable playing. But if I'm trading a stud running back and getting a couple wide receivers in return, how how do I replace that guy? I would I would much rather if I think that I'm gonna be a contending team next year, I would much rather trade my first round pick for a wide receiver than trade a quote unquote stud running back uh for for a receiver. And I'm I, I could use a good top-notch wide receiver on this team, but like I said, I would certainly would rather trade uh, the pick for it than uh, than trade a stud guy than try to replace him with that first-round pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's, and uh, one thing I want to add, too, is that even though your team may not be a playoff team this year, you don't know what the future holds. Uh, take, for example, our 16-team league. Uh, I didn't make the playoffs last year, uh, and this year I am by far, or by a pretty wide margin, the number one point scorer. I did not expect that coming into the year, but sometimes you don't see see you know players stuffed away on the end of your roster, guys like Marquise Lee actually stepping up and becoming big contributors. So you don't know what the future holds. So you definitely don't want to go on fire sales and selling good players for seventh-round picks, you know. Just, 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 yeah. just to blow it up for blowing it up's sake. Yeah, and and you know, running backs are are finicky, and Green or Gordon could have a down year next year, certainly. Um, but that that same type of thing, you know, like Nick said, if you're having a down year, like right now, one of my teams, my top running back is Latavius Murray, and then I think my next best score is like Dewan Harris or some crap like that. I mean, it's bad. It's a really bad situation. Uh, but last year. This team where I have Gordon, I had, I had Gordon, I had Jai, I had Coleman, um, and I had a couple. I think I even had Terrence West last year. And at one point, like nine weeks in the season, I think my top scoring running back was like Marcel Reese for the Raiders, who's not even in the league anymore. So I mean, these guys obviously have uh, have taken their lumps, have come back, and been very good players in in year two. So don't just because just because you don't think your team is a contender or just because you're not making the playoffs this year, don't think that your, your team can't show growth and, uh, and move forward and be a better team next year. Don't, don't necessarily try to trade all your chips away. If these are players that you believe in, you think that they can, you scouted them, you think that they could turn the corner, but don't, don't give up on them too early. So uh, that was a very long dynasty trade analysis. Uh, what Nick, what do you got for us on Charles Harris? defensive end, Missouri, excuse me. 
Uh, yep, Charles Harris, uh, six foot three, two hundred fifty-five pounds. He mostly played defensive end, but he does have some experience rushing the quarterback from a two-point stance. Uh, he's been pretty good versus the run, but his NFL draft value, of course, is going to come from his pass rush skills. Unlike many college pass rushers, he actually utilizes multiple moves, and I think that could help him transition quicker, maybe than than most pass rushers who typically take a couple years to refine their game before they're studs at the NFL level. Uh, he's a former basketball player, so you know he's athletic. And uh, one area it shows is in his effort, in the effort department. Uh, Harris doesn't appear to quote unquote take plays off like a lot of defensive linemen do. Uh, he has played a little bit of defensive tackle in Missouri. Hopefully, he's not asked to do that in the NFL, unless it's like third and twenty-five or something like that. There's two hundred fifty-five pounds. He's not playing defensive tackle in the NFL. Uh, draft opinions vary pretty widely. His, his stock has fallen a bit this year, although he did improve his sack total from seven sacks last year to nine this season in his junior year. Uh, so going into this season, some analysts actually pegged him as a top 20 pick before the year, and so if his advisors tell him that his, his stock has slipped too far to like third, fourth, fifth round, it wouldn't surprise me actually if he did come back as a senior to try to raise his stock. Uh, do you have anything on Harris? You know what? I haven't watched him. To be totally honest with you, I kind of forgot about. I, I have a prospect <laughs> until yesterday. I was putting the putting the uh, podcast right up together, putting it on the website, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to write about Taco Charlton." <laughs> so I need to watch Harris. I'm excited to watch him. I uh, I have heard some really good things. I know uh, I know Fran Duffy and Ross Tucker like him a whole lot. So I need to sit down and watch him. And I know I need to turn on my IDP cap and start scouting a lot of these defensive prospects there for uh, for Bill Bill Latin here on IDP side of the site. So I, I need I need to look at uh, Harris. Uh, coincidentally, with uh, Taco Charlton, I had the exact same thing. I think with you said Harris, he already has a couple moves. I think he employs an arsenal of pass rushing moves, which I think gives gives me a lot of hope. Most play, most edge players arrive in the NFL with one or two moves, and that's and that's because that's all they've ever needed to be successful. Charlton has the speed rush. He's got the spin move. He's got the hand check, the arm bar, uh, the bull rush, and a, something I like to call the slip and shoot, where he's 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 a little bit on the thinner side, so where he maybe just maybe kind of hand checks the guy, hand checks the offensive lineman, and then just shoots the gap. Um, another another term I heard for pass rushing today. Uh, on the Move the Sticks podcast, uh, Bucky Brooks said the forklift, and I think I would imagine that's you just pushing a pushing a, a defensive or excuse me, an offensive lineman off of their feet a little bit. I thought that was a great uh, great pass rush term. But back to Charlton, um, he reminds me a lot of the Jags rookie Yannick Nakao, uh, who uh, was a guy I didn't particularly like, but because he's got that same type of frame, I'm thinking maybe in the right situation, Charlton could find a. Can find early success as kind of like an energy guy. He is a little bit thin frame, so I think he's going to likely need to add some muscle mass to remain along the line. I think obviously that's going to be where he's going to get better IDP stats. He does play a little outside linebacker too. Um, it will just really depend on the scheme he comes in. But he's he's listed six six two sixty five. But if you see him on the field, you think is that a wide receiver? He just, I, there's no way that guy is two sixty five. So. I'm going to say he's more like a 6'5", 255 type of player. So we'll we'll leave it at that. So have you looked at Taco Charlton, Nick? Uh, I have not had a chance to, but I do want to ask you about that forklift move. Is that would that be pretty much like a bull rush? Like basically, the the defensive lineman just gets under the offensive lineman's shoulder pads and pushes them all the way back to the quarterback. I'm assuming that that's what the forklift is, right? 
Yeah, they they didn't give a full synopsis of it, but I thought <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny, and I I would imagine. I would imagine it would just be using your arms like a forklift and just lifting the guy up or pushing him off, you know, back to his heels a little bit. So I'll, uh, maybe I'll tweet at Bucky later. I, don't, I doubt he'll respond, but I'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, but uh, we have had Chuck patiently waiting on the phone, so let's patch him through. Chuck, are you there? Hey, guys, good morning. Happy, uh, happy holidays, I guess, we can start saying. Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry to keep you so long. We got a little philosophical with our trade talk there. So, uh, uh, well, that's all right. I was in, uh, I was no hurry. I was in no hurry to go over last week's results. Um, no, I have <laughs> to. Uh, can I do a fantasy question for you guys before we get started here? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm in a quandary. I, you know, I picked up uh, somebody Rawls, Thomas Rawls, when he went uh, on the IR. Somebody in our league just gave him up, so I picked him up and. <laughs> and kept him in my IR slot for, like, several weeks. And uh, now he's back playing, but he's uh, – I'm trying to work him in. I've got Le'Veon Bell and and Spencer Ware as my starting running backs, and I wanted to put Rawls in the the flex spot, but I've got Stephon Diggs also. What – is Diggs going to be healthy for this Thursday? I, he's uh, he's rated better and he projects out better than uh, than Rawls, but I want to get Rawls in the I want to somehow get Rawls in my lineup. So I guess the, the in a nutshell uh, for flex, Stefan Diggs or uh, Thomas Rawls. Um, Diggs was still limited yesterday, um, so that that. Might not be good news. I, I think with his future, they're not going to certainly rush him back. So I think that decision might might be made for you. But um, I, yeah, I would love for that Diego to happen. Or, yeah. Who does Seattle play? Seattle's at home against Carolina. Now Rawls, um, uh, he looked good. I, I, he, yeah. you, you know he's going to be the number one running back for Seattle, um, but. Yeah. He didn't look too. He didn't look too good last week. Although he was still running hard, I'm just, I, I you know, I, I it, it's hard to pass up a guy like that. But you know, Diggs, uh, by we're, we're half point PPR, by the way. Um, yeah, you're okay. right. It, it may be decided for me. I, I, nothing would make me happier. You know, you you almost wish that your guy would just be ruled out rather than rather than not know. Oh yeah. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, you are right on point, and I think that stupid questionable thing that they've went to this year is yeah it's killing fantasy owners <clears throat> well i think it guys, all it all goes getting guys in trouble at church because they're checking their phones i'm sure <laughs> you know it's just uh, <laughs> you it know it, it all goes back i believe it was uh last year or the year before remember when brandon marshall uh played for the bears and he was supposed to be out on i believe monday night or sunday night and all of a sudden he shows up and scores three touchdowns you know it uh um, you just wish they were either out or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well, and Diggs only does Diggs only does have two touchdowns on the year, so I think Rawls probably has a little bit more of an opportunity to score a touchdown in this game. So that's going to get you, you know, at least six points there. What What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I, I would go with Rawls, especially with uh, as much as the Minnesota offense has struggled just in general, especially with their pass protection. So, and also there's the Thursday game stigma. So, yeah, I, w- I would go with Rawls in this one. 
Yeah, but a couple of things to look at is both of these teams have had a whole week. It's not like a real Thursday game to them. And uh, the Cowboys are 25th against wide receivers. But, uh, no, like you say, I, I still have a day to uh, a day or two to figure it out. You know, people may be listening to this after Thursday, and they'll know that I'm a real idiot, whatever I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll move along to uh, to against the spread. Now, last week I had a, I had a really bad week, and uh, no excuses. I was 5-11. and 11. Uh, Josh, you were right in the middle at 8-8, eight and, eight, and uh, Nick just blew us Woo-hoo. all away last week. At eleven and five, good job, Nick. Wow! Oh, blind squirrel finds an acorn. Yeah, I could hear the. Uh, <laughs> you know, luckily on our sweeps. Let's see, we all had Washington. That was a good one. Uh, we all had Oakland and New England. Oakland uh, was three and a half point favorite. Although the Raiders did go down to three before the opening kickoff, but we took them uh, minus three and a half, and we lost that one. And we lost the New England Patriots against the New York Jets. Yeah, it was an ugly one, um, but, uh, but we I did all get. I don't know. I think. Go ahead. I think let's say if it's a if it's a sweep, and the and the line adjusts on Sunday to where. To where we had it on Wednesday, I think I think we can get that one. I think we can to get where it to we us. would have. Well, it would have <laughs> been a it would have been a push. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take. But that. I I think you'll agree <laughs> those Panthers. So the Panthers gave us a gave them a pretty good fight. Oh yeah, yeah. It was that was a better game than I thought it was going to be. But mm-hmm. Like the like the fact the Raiders found a way to win. That's for sure. Okay, you ready for this week? Mm-hmm. We have a rare great game on Thursday night. The Dallas Cowboys are at Minnesota, and the Cowboys come into town favored by three and a half. Okay, I've <laughs> excuse me. I've already seen a lot of buzz. A lot of people picking the Vikings to upset in this game. I, they obviously haven't watched the Vikings play football, so so I, I, uh, I just like Nick said earlier with their, uh, with their pass protection. I just I I think there's enough there's enough people on that Dallas defense to to exploit that. They'll figure out ways. You know, Rod Marinelli is quite the quite the defensive coordinator, so I think he will find find ways to make them vulnerable and they're already are just vulnerable to begin with. So I, 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 as much as I would love to take that Vikings, um, especially since they're the home team dog, I, I, and I wouldn't be surprised by the upset. I mean, maybe the Vikings find out a way to win this, but I, I think Dallas could win this game by a couple touchdowns. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you, and I do have to say that was a great point that you had, Chuck, as far as this is not your typical Thursday night game because both these teams have had a full week to prepare having played on Thanksgiving. But, yeah, I definitely have to go with the Dallas Cowboys. As hot as they've looked this year, I just have a hard time picking against them. Plus, Minnesota has really struggled as of late, uh, pass protection issues uh, being the biggest factor there. So, yeah, i, I got to go with Dallas to win this one easily. So I'm surprised the spread is that low, to be honest. <laughs> Well, you know, Josh, uh, you say a lot of people are picking the uh, the Vikings in an upset this week. There, there are a couple reasons to do that. Um, first of all, Dallas is giving up uh, big numbers to wide receivers this year, and maybe that's because teams get behind and they start throwing on them. Uh, that may be the reason for that. Uh, Dallas is third in the in the league against running backs. But uh, so what? Minnesota doesn't have any running backs. You're probably going to see a lot of passes in this game. Um, the thing that I look at is the fact that the Giants, or excuse me, the uh, 
the uh, Cowboys have a two-game lead in the division. And the one team that has beaten them so far is the New York Giants, and that's coming up next week. And that's kind of their whole right, – right there, they can pretty much clinch the division with a win over the Giants. I don't see the Cowboys uh, – I, I don't want to say they don't have their attention uh, this week, but I, yeah, just enough for the Vikings to sneak in here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll take the, the uh, Vikings plus the three and a half. I keep going. I keep going against the Cowboys, and well, last week uh, it was it was good, but um, <clears throat> I'm going to take the Vikings. Swallow hard and take the Vikings. Three and a half plus three and a half. Okay. Okay. The early games on Sunday. Um, Denver Broncos on the road, minus five against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Anybody taking Jacksonville on this one? I mean, I know I know Chuck can't can't give up a good home team dog like that with five bits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll take Denver. As much as I want them to lose, and I was hold, I was standing in front of my TV waiting for that Sunday game with them, the Chiefs to tie. I was like, oh, that's going to totally screw both of those teams in the division. Uh, I'll give up the Chiefs one. As much as I want Denver to lose. There's no way they lose this game. They're going to win by 10 points. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. It's another game that I'm surprised the spread is that low on. I know Denver's still on the road, so the home team typically gets three points. So it's kind of an eight-point spread, but still, I, I just have no faith in, that the Jaguars can, uh, can hang in this game. They just seem to be a completely lost team at this point. All right, not so fast, my friends. Um, the uh, <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars uh, – have not lost by any more than four points at home, except for the Oakland Raiders game. The Raiders came in and beat them 33-16. to But in that game, they had as many yards. The total yards in that game was exactly even between the Raiders and the Jaguars. Um, they, they do play well at home, and the one Achilles heel for Denver, especially late in the season, is traveling to the East Coast. I know you hear a lot about it, but the Broncos uh, the Broncos were the very first team I discovered this on way back when, when they were on a roll and they came out and they lost straight up to the Giants late in the season on the East Coast. So uh, I'm going to look for a, a number of factors to come into play there, that along with the fact that Jacksonville is, uh, is a good home team, a uh, dangerous spot for the Broncos. I know that, you know, everybody's going to say, well, after losing that game last week, the Broncos, you know, they'll, they'll come out with fire in their eyes. Um, I think Jacksonville will have just enough to uh, stay under that point spread. It's going to be a close game if the Broncos win it. Uh, so I'm going to take Jacksonville plus five. And, and going back to that, uh, that was it a Monday night or Sunday Sunday night game with the Broncos in the Kansas City? Yeah, Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, I'm playing the team that has Cairo Santos and Travis Kelsey. So, you know, <laughs> Santos not, – not only kicks a field goal to tie the game, then they go into overtime and they start throwing it to Kelsey every play, and then Santos gets the winning field goal. It's like I was so mad. I'm glad I finally hung on, hung on and won that game. But it's like, rrr, man, that was frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Kansas City, they are now in Atlanta to take on the uh, Atlanta Falcons. And Atlanta, uh, interesting line. It was at four last night. It went down to three and a half this morning. So the Falcons favored by the field goal and the hook. Okay. Um, I I think that's too many. I think that's too many points. I think the Chiefs can keep keep within that. Um, 
I, I I think this Falcons team is offense. Excuse me, their record is a little bit of a mirage. I know I know they hung at Seattle and they hung in Denver. Or they beat Denver in Denver, um, and they beat Oakland in Oakland. But I just I think this Kansas City team is a different type of team, and I think they'll uh, I think they'll keep this one a little bit closer than most people think. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the Chiefs on the road. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think I'd like to just retire after my good week last week and not have to pick any more games, especially <laughs> this one because it was really close. But uh, I, I, I just think that hook scares me. So, well, like you said, I think it's going to be a really close game. Both of these are really good quality teams. Kansas City's actually got the big, better record than Atlanta by one game. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Chiefs. A lot of people don't know, if you don't uh, follow fantasy football, that Kansas City is last in the league against wide receivers. Uh, they are 22nd in the league, giving up points to quarterbacks. They gave up the Kansas City defense gave up 300 yards to Roethlisberger, Breeze, Jameis Winston, and Trevor Simeon. Um, what is uh, what is Matt uh, Ryan going to do to him? I I think that uh, I think Atlanta's on a roll, and they're out to prove that they aren't going to fade like last year. And uh, Kansas City is on a little bit of a high after last week's win, and I'm going to take Atlanta uh, just because I learned my lesson last week when I took uh, Arizona against Atlanta. So I'm going to take the Falcons uh, and give up the three-and-a-half points here. So far, I've differed with you guys on every one, and that's that's scaring me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to say, too, about the Jacksonville-Denver game is this it's the weakness against weakness that the you can beat Denver by running the football against them, but that's also the chart the Jaguars weakness. So we'll see what kind of game plan Gus Bradley employs. Maybe they can give uh, yeah. Chris Ivory, you know, twenty twenty carries up the middle and see what happens and maybe control the clock a little bit. But uh Well that's because that's a good the, point the strength too, of, but I, yeah. I'm gonna say the strength the, of the Denver defense is the is the pass defense and that's Makes right. their pass rush better, so, and that's kind of what Bortles, the only thing Bortles has going for him, even though he's, and he's thrown 13 picks this year too. So, right. Well, I was impressed with uh, how Jacksonville came out last week. Uh, they looked like a different team, um, but we'll have to see. There's, you know, a lot of things that go wrong. I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the game more on a, <laughs> more on an overall thing just with trends and things like that but yeah that's a good point and uh, there are a couple games that come up that are like that too later here josh all right the next game is the houston texans coming into green bay and the packers favored by six and a half points oh what i i did not have an opportunity because of the holiday week to write down my uh projected stats but i, I i'm sure this one would have been very different. Uh, this obviously is the spread is a reflection of what have you done for me lately. And considering how awesome the, the Packers looked on uh, Monday night in front of uh, national a national television audience, I think I think that probably gave them a couple more points in the spread. Um, this this is a good matchup. I, I, Houston's obviously a very different team on the road, uh, so I, I'll take Houston. I still think Green Bay wins this game, but I think Houston can keep it within. Do you have six and a half? Six and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think Houston can keep it within six and a half. So I'll I'll take Houston. Green Bay still wins, though. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I agree with you again, Josh. I, I just think this Houston defense is too solid of a unit uh, to be underdogs by that many points, especially considering how Green Bay hasn't been uh, the most consistent team uh, week to week this, this year. So uh, I'm going to go with the Houston. I'm going dis- <laughs> to disagree one more time with you guys. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, you're right. They did. I don't. I don't think that uh, the Packers. I don't, uh, you know, everybody saw uh, Aaron Rodgers go into the privacy tent and have his his hamstring worked on in that game. I've got questions about Aaron Rodgers, but I also have questions about about the Houston Texans on the road. It's really been a disparity between home and road. Um, uh, Houston is good against the pass and bad against the run. and once again, who cares because Green Bay doesn't have a running game. So this this is going to be a good game. Um, I saw the Packers' defense look a lot better last week against Philadelphia. So I'm going to count on the Packers putting things together just because they're they're rolling right now. And they've got to, and I hate this phrase, everybody uses it, but they've got to run the table to, uh, to get to the playoffs and I'm looking for the pack to be on a roll. You guys may have a point there. You know, this point spread six and a half, but I'm just going to count on on Houston's ineptitude on the road and the Packers' uh, home field advantage, and and I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers minus the uh, six and a half. I may tease them down to a half a point on game day. All right, Philadelphia okay. Eagles uh, are in Cincinnati, and the Eagles are favored by one point on the road. Okay. I wanted to make one more point about that Houston Green Bay game too. I think you know, we all watched Aaron Rodgers on Monday night, but I hope I would imagine the Packers probably watched the Texans on Monday night two weeks or uh, before that when they when they uh, played uh Oakland and, and how Oakland beat them was with a lot of kind of outside short passes and that's kind of one of the strengths of Green Bay. So we'll it'll be interesting to see that uh how that uh, game plan is there because they they certainly were able to exploit that good secondary of the Houston Texans. So that's what I think yeah. they'll have to do. But I'm but I'm still taking the Texans. Also, Josh, from a from um, a fantasy standpoint, how uh, how frustrating is it to uh, to have one of the Green Bay receivers? It's kind of like uh, kind of like having oh. a New England receiver. Uh, they he, they throw to so many different people. Yeah, you know, Jordy's at least a stable person in that but uh yeah I, I i talked about that earlier i had randall cobb going into monday night i needed 15 points he had 10 in the first half i thought i was golden then he had zero targets in the second half it was <laughs> frustrating there was like a there was like a third and seven and they threw a freaking pass to their damn fullback i'm like are you kidding me but anyway <laughs> see what you brought out of me <laughs> okay, uh, the Eagles are in Cincinnati. Uh, Eagles yes. <laughs> favored by one in this game. The the spread has gone down. By the way, they were one and a half last night, and the Eagles are now favored by one over the Bengals. Can I call? Well, I can't really call a push. I suppose I could, but um, I, jeez, I don't know. Both of these teams are trending not very good. Um, I, I'll take the Eagles in this. I think um, one thing that Cincy struggles with um, is is their linebackers. Uh, they're 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 good pass rushers, but but not excuse me. They're good against the run, but not very good against the pass. And I think 
they can maybe exploit some matchups there. So I'll, I'll take Eagles. It's, you're basically picking a winner in this game, and I just don't have any faith in the Bengals right now. So I'll take the Eagles in this game. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I, I agree with you. I just think the Bengals have nothing left to play for, where the Eagles are still holding on to a shred of hope that they can maybe turn their season around. But the Bengals absolutely at 3-7-1. and one. Their, their season's over, and uh, it, likely that the, the tenure of their head coach, Marvin Lewis, is probably over at the end of the season. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles there. I, I just think they have more to play for. I uh, I got to see some of that uh, the Cincinnati and Baltimore game last week on Red Zone, and and it occurred to me that Cincinnati Cincinnati uh, is still fighting. Uh, they haven't given up. Um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take Cincinnati, but I wouldn't blame anybody for taking Philadelphia. I just uh, you know I kind of have no idea here. Uh, so when you have no idea, you take the uh, take the home team in a close game like that. So I'm going to take Cincinnati, but you guys are, have just as much justification in picking Philadelphia. Both teams are, uh, you know, I don't know if we could uh, classify this as the uh, don't care game. I think, Josh, you're probably s- saving that for the 49ers and Bears game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really, I don't really care about this game either. <laughs> okay. Now the next game is really interesting. I had to look twice at this uh, at this point spread. Uh, the Lions are on the road at New Orleans, and the Saints are favored by six points. Wow, um, that's too many points. Detroit. I mean, isn't Detroit leading their division right now? There. That's that's. Oh yeah. Points. I know the Saints are a completely different team at home. Um, but Detroit also plays on. Uh, I think they also play on turf. Maybe they play on field turf or field grass, whatever they call it. I I don't think it's that's that's a similar venue to what they play in Detroit. I I would not be surprised if Detroit wins this game. They have they have enough on both sides of the ball to do so. Uh, that's just too many points. I'll take Detroit. Nick, what do you think? Well, first off, I got to say Detroit's probably going to be trailing this game going into the fourth quarter because that's pretty much how they win all their games this year. It seems like is by fourth quarter comebacks. So, uh, given the fact that all their games have been close fourth quarter type of games, I'm going to go with Detroit to at least cover the spread. I have no idea who will win this game, but I think it'll be a close one. So, going with the Lions at a six point spread. Uh, it's very wise, Nick. I uh, I um, just uh, happened to look up the uh, the Lions games uh the games they've lost they have lost they lost by seven at houston they lost by seven at green bay uh the other games they lost were by one point by three points so uh it's a pretty good chance that this game is going to end up a a seven point game um so you know that's close to six I think we're going to have our – you know, I looked at this and I thought, well, they're just begging me to bet on Detroit. I don't know why New Orleans is favored by six points. Detroit is a good team. New Orleans, I don't – I I consider these teams on on an even par uh, at least. And the over-under, by the way, you guys, is 53 on this game. And that may be – they may have that at halftime. But every time we think that, it's 10 to – Ten to seven at halftime. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna fall for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bait and I will take uh, Detroit and we're gonna have our first sweep of the week. Ooh, all right. 
All right, here you go, Josh. San Francisco 49ers at Chicago. Now, got an interesting movement on this line. It was a pick 'em last night when I looked up everything. And this week, it is, or today, it's one and a half. The Bears uh, a home favorite by one and a half points. Oh, who the hell is betting on this game? Seriously. I mean, no <laughs> offense, Chuck. It is oh, your team. Oh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you go first, but uh, I just want to tell everybody I. I I think I I work I work in this fairly big building. It's like three stories, twenty thousand square feet, and we have this little like we call it the crow's nest where we eat our lunch. And it, but it's like it's only a half hour, so it's open. And I was just looking at the, on Monday morning. I was looking at the games for this week, and I laughed out loud so hard. I think it scared everybody in the store because it kind of it's kind of an echo chamber. When I saw that this was even a game, I was just like, really? That's that's three total yeah. wins? Are you kidding me? Uh, but, yeah, uh, it's go ahead. It's, uh, it, it, it's it's a weird one. Um, I don't have any reason for picking either team. You know, I mean, San Francisco just went on the road, played a really good game at Miami. So I'm assuming everybody's going to uh, going to think that they're an awesome team after that. Uh, after they almost beat. The Dolphins, the Bears should have won that game last week. I don't know if you saw, but Barkley hit two receivers right in the breadbasket in the end zone in the final four plays that would have won the game for the Bears, and they they did not hang on to the ball. So um, I, I, I think John Fox has a way of getting his guys to, to still play for him. I think they like him. That's maybe the only reason I'm going to take the Bears in this game, and uh, you know now i got to give up one and a half points. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll I'll still take the Bears. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna take San Francisco. I think in a game like this, you have to look. Where is the biggest weakness? The Bears just lost their second middle linebacker in as many weeks. That's Who's the who's calling plays? Who's the captain? There's going to be a lot of questions and answers, and maybe some without answers, I should say, and maybe some too many men on the field penalties for the Bears defense. I I, I just I think that's too much. I, I'll I'll I think Kaepernick can pull another one out on the road. So I'll take San Francisco. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears mostly just because they're at home. But, uh, I, I'm, yeah, it is definitely a who-cares game. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Chuck. It must have been painful as a Bears fan watching your receivers drop pass after pass that would have won the game because, yeah, they did actually show the, the end of that game here. So I saw that, and I, I couldn't believe that. So got to feel bad for Matt Barkley. He uh, played a really quality game, uh, a guy that not, doesn't have a lot of respect around around the around the league, so, you know, got to feel bad for him, and hopefully hopefully the Bears receivers can hold on to the ball for him and make him look a little better this week. Yeah, I know, and when Matt Barkley's delivering the ball, you better you better catch it, because no, no telling when the next one will be in your bread basket. <laughs> All right, uh, we got past that one. Whew, I feel much better. Okay, the uh, L.A. Rams going to New England, and uh, by the way, I don't think it is uh, is New England going to give Eric Dickerson a sideline pass for this game. <laughs> uh, New England is favored by just a hair less than two touchdowns. It's thirteen and a half points for the New England Patriots in their uh, their uh, favorite role against the Rams in New England. Did we clean sleep New England like minus? Seven or whatever it was, our plus seven last week, minus seven. No, no, they, they were uh, they were minus eight against the Jets. 
can't remember what the final score was, but the Jets yeah, they, they only, kept it close, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah, they only won by five, so they they really screwed us last week. But, but now they're at home against the Rams, uh, who are playing a rookie quarterback. Uh, I I obviously wanted to see Jared Goff a little bit sooner than the Rams gave him, but now they've given Bill Belichick two whole games to watch, so now they can just absolutely destroy him. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the Rams. Excuse me, I'll take the Patriots in this game. Uh, minus the points, I yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty safe bet. Maybe it's too maybe it seems too easy, Nick. What do you think? Uh, it does seem too easy to me. And if if Rob Gronkowski was completely healthy, I I think I would go with the Patriots as well. But you know we don't even know if he's going to play. And even if he does play, we saw what happened last week. He played for a few snaps and then was out for the rest of the game. So I'm going to go with the the Rams. They're not going to win this game by any means, but they're, they'll they'll cover the spread. I think. Well, I'm going to take. So Josh, you're taking the Rams, right? Patriots. Oh, you're taking the Patriots? Yep. Josh and Nick? Yeah, I'm taking the Rams. Oh, okay, good. That's what I thought. I'm sorry. I I said uh, Josh when I meant Nick. Um, Bill Belichick has a way of uh, really, really feasting on young quarterbacks. I kind of feel sorry for Jared Goff. Who did he have? He had the – when did he start? When When they played the Dolphins? And uh, yep. the Dolphins have a great defense, especially a good front four. Then he, uh, well, then when he gets the Saints, and he did okay last week against the Saints, but now he gets Bill Belichick's defense. And uh, you know Belichick is going to be confusing him all over the place. Um, you know, it's weird, but when the, the the Patriots are really, really popular team to bet on, so whenever the Patriots cover the spread, uh, the sports books lose money all over town here. Uh, I think they're going to here also. I'm going to – I don't think they like the way they played last week. Uh, I think Belichick's going to use this as a way to get back on track. And uh, so I'm going to take the Patriots uh, minus those points there, minus 13.5. Let me check my notes. Yeah. That's about all I have. Belichick uh, against a uh, rookie quarterback. You got to go with the Patriots. Might be too much, but I'm still going to take the Patriots. In the last of the early games on Sunday, the Miami Dolphins are at Baltimore against the Ravens, and the Ravens are favored by three and a half. Man, it's weird how like with the two winning teams, I really don't kind of care about this game either. But. Uh... You know, I mean, both teams have a shot at their division, but it's just like, yeah. And I guess it is a technically a decent game, but um, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I don't really have a strong opinion on who would take this. But uh, I, did you say three and a half? Yes. Ooh. I don't like that hook. I think if it was three, I would take the home team in Baltimore. So with the hook, I'll think I'm taking Miami. Nick, what do you think? Uh, even with the hook, I'm going to go with Baltimore. I just think they have by far the superior defense, and I guess against a questionable quarterback situation with Ryan Tannehill there with Miami, uh, I think Baltimore can win this by probably five, six, seven points. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Ravens. Hey, Josh, I was uh, looking something up while you were uh, giving your pick. Did you pick Miami? Yes. Okay. Josh takes Miami. I'm going to side with uh, you this time. Miami, you know, you may not know it, but uh, the Dolphins are on a six-game winning streak. 
And when you have a, t- a team on a six-game winning streak and they're getting three-and-a-half points, whether on the road or at home, I'm going to go ahead and take them. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Dolphins. And uh, I, I, I'm not impressed with Baltimore this year, especially their offense. Um, they, they, they're winning everything with defense, which is, you know, kind of a typical scenario for the Ravens. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Miami plus three-and-a-half here. Justin Tucker wins it with a field goal at the end. Okay, we'll move on to the okay. uh, later games. The the uh, the late afternoon here in the uh, Pacific Time Zone, I refer to them as morning and afternoon games. But I realize a lot of people have these are all afternoon games. So let's say late afternoon game: Buffalo, the Bills are at Oakland, Josh, against your Raiders, and the Raiders are favored by three points. Oh. Wow. Um, uh, I don't know. This this is a tough one. I've been looking at this one on the schedule for a couple of weeks. I really don't know how I feel. I, Buffalo is a hard – they're just a hard out no matter no matter where they're at. I know they're good at home. We get, it, we get them in, in Oakland. I, this, uh, I'll, let's play the happy-to-be-wrong game. I'll take, I'll take Buffalo plus the three points. But as always, I'll be happy to be wrong. Nick, what do you think? <laughs> well, you know, these games are late afternoon for some people, late morning for me. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raiders in this one. I, I just Buffalo's been a decent team this year, but decent is all they are. Whereas Oakland, I think, has been a pretty pretty darn good team, uh, really exceeded expectations. So especially playing at home, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Raiders. Yeah, I like the momentum the Raiders have. Uh, Buffalo has a good defense, but the but Oakland has beaten Denver, Houston, Carolina on consecutive weeks. Now, there's a pretty good lineup of defenses, so I don't think how good a defense is has anything to do with uh, with how Oakland plays. You don't want to step in front of the Raider train this time of year, Josh. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Raiders minus those three points. I think the last time this right. happened, when you when you picked the other team and we picked the Raiders, you ended up uh, being right and we ended up being wrong. So I think it'll even out this week. <laughs> I think it'll be okay. All right. All right. The Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers are uh, are at San Diego against the Chargers, and the Chargers are favored by three and a half. Wow. Um, you know, two – Two, three weeks ago, I think I probably would have said San Diego all the way. But, man, New Orleans, excuse me, Tampa Bay went to Kansas City and won, and then they beat Seattle last week. Is there is there a letdown coming? Uh, maybe, but I, three and a half points, I think. I think uh, Tampa's over 500 now. I think they're really starting to feel it. I'm going to take Tampa in this game. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Josh. I just think Tampa Bay is a they're they're a better team than people realize, even with the, uh, the six and five record. They're they're better than a six than a typical six and five team. And uh, I also will say the same thing about San Diego. Actually, at five and six, they're they're better than a than your typical five and six team. But but yeah, head to head, I, I just have to go with Tampa Bay, I, especially with all the health issues that the Chargers have had. I started looking at this game and had every expectation of picking San Diego. I was trying to, you know, it's how you feel one way and you start looking for things and evidence to support your opinion. Um, 
when I started looking at this game, I changed my mind. And if you guys remember last week, uh, I told you that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were 3-0 and straight up and against the spread when Doug Martin played. Uh, he left, you know, for a few games during the season, then he's back. So since they, they, they won their first game against Atlanta, and since Martin has been back, they're now 3-0. and So they're, they're 4-0 straight up and against the spread. And it's been against some pretty good teams like Atlanta and like, uh, like Kansas City on the road and like Seattle last week. Tampa Bay is starting to believe in themselves and they they have enough to keep it close at least against San Diego. Um, you know you don't want to step in front of them. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tampa Bay plus the three and a half here. All right, Arizona is at home against the Washington Redskins, and uh, as poor as the Cardinals have been the last few weeks, the Cardinals are still favored by two and a half points over the Redskins. Uh, wow, that, that's that's another line that really surprises me. I, I thought the Redskins would be favored in this one for sure, as as well as they played. I know they lost to the Cowboys, but they still they they made the Cowboys earn it at least. So that that's a good sign. And yeah, I, I think the Redskins can go in there and win this game. Yeah, if you would have asked me at the beginning of September to pick this game right now, I think I would have said said Carol. Uh, Arizona all the way, but uh, I I think Washington could do enough things offensively to to really test this defense. So I'll I'll take Washington as well. I'm going to take the Cardinals. I feel uh, just a little let down after that game against uh, against Dallas, you know, and traveling clear out to Arizona. Um, the Arizona's got to pick it up someplace or sometime. And uh, the Cardinals are uh, are first against tight ends. Hey, is Jordan Reed going to play this week? Do you know, uh, Nick, you follow him? Uh, I have no idea. If I were to guess, I would say probably not, just because, you know, the, the, yeah, I, I would say probably not, but I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I got to I gotta figure Arizona's going to gonna start – being a team sometime, and I'm going to look for him to win this game, although I've been totally impressed uh, by the Redskins this year, and uh, it's it's still anybody's game in the NFC East, and, uh, uh, you know, Washington's probably going to be alive for a wild card also, so, uh, you know, this loss is not going to hurt them that much, but Arizona really, really, really needs to get back on the winning track, Uh, so I'm going to take the Cardinals one more time, and if they don't win this week, I will not pick them next week, I promise. (laughs) All right. Okay, Pittsburgh Steelers are at home this week, and they are favored by six over the Giants. Um, wow. Um, I I think that's um, I think that's too many points. I think the Giants might uh, might surprise them in this game. This is a this is a pretty marquee matchup. I'll take uh, I'll take the Giants. I think they can stay within six. I think they have enough enough things going on in the perimeter, namely uh, Landon Collins, to kind of to kind of slow this team down. They're going to really have to lean on uh, Antonio Brown, which obviously you can do. But uh, I think uh, I think the Giants keep this one close. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, I, I agree with you, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I hope uh, Pittsburgh just runs away with this one, of course. But, you know, I mean, the Giants have won two more games on the year than the Steelers, so the fact that they're a uh, six-point underdog really surprises me. A lot of, in my mind, a lot of strange point spreads this week, and this is just one more. So, yeah, I, I have to take the Giants to at least keep, keep this one close. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know if you guys knew it or not, but the uh, Giants are on a six-game winning streak. Um the uh, the Pittsburgh defense can be run on, and I think the Giants will grind it out enough to keep it close. Uh, you know, when you're going when you have a lot of running in the game, it's going to be kind of close to the vest, and uh, the score is going to be held down a little bit. So, on a lower scoring game, I'm going to go ahead and take the Giants to stay within that six points. So, we are all going to take the New York Giants this week. And we move on to Sunday night football. Seattle Seahawks at home against Carolina. The Seahawks are favored by seven. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, after what they looked like at Tampa last week, Josh. But uh, you know, who knows? Yep. And Carolina has some decent uh, strength there, but uh, I, I, different team at home. Um, I think you think this line gets bought down at all? I think the Carolina gets some love? I don't know. Let me check and see what the history is on the line real quick for you. Um Giants, uh, Carolina and Seattle. It started out at Seattle minus six and a half. It's gone up to seven since it came out yesterday. Actually two days ago. I'll take Caroline in this one. I, I know that's that's a could be a rocky ride for me on that, but I'll t- I'll take Caroline on this one. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think if I was in Vegas, I would not touch this at all. But uh, since you know I'm forced to pick one, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Seattle uh, for my primarily because they're at home. But I just think they're a far better team than Carolina as well. I, I uh, and I don't have a lot of faith in this pick. I'm throwing that out there but yeah i will go with seattle you know i kind of wish that uh carolina was out of it uh they can still do something there still is hope for them as a matter of fact they're they're three guys behind atlanta but um you know they're they're still in line i'm going to take carolina they haven't given up i like what they did against the raiders last week they showed a lot of character um, so I think I think it's too many points. I'm going to take Carolina uh, plus the seven at Seattle in this game. And I, you know, I, I, Nick, I feel the same way you do. I'll probably stay away from this game. But uh, um, if Carolina hasn't given up, they're gonna they're gonna put up a good battle. So we'll we'll find out a lot about the Panthers this weekend. Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts are one and a half over the New York Jets, and this game is at the Meadowlands. Um, Josh, your first picker on this one. Mm. Uh, you had, What was the spread? One and a half. One and a half, I'm sorry. I do hear you when you say the spreads. I just, I have a, I have a. No, that's all right. Point playing swords up at. Up in front of me, so I, I, you say one, and I see another, and I'm just like, uh, what? Uh, hey, Josh. Wow. Um, yeah. Right now, Josh. Right now is a good time to uh, to tell people 
that this week, and, and they're very close, but this week I was using the lines from the South Point here in Las Vegas, and I did that just simply for the yeah, – I used to use the Westgate, um, but I use it just because Jimmy Vaccaro is the uh, is the line maker out of the South Point. I like him a lot. He gave me a couple of interviews when I was writing newspapers uh, uh, on the Internet uh, a few years ago. He's a good guy, and I just wanted to give Jimmy a little uh, a little pub there. So we're using the South Point lines, which are very close to all the rest of the lines, but those are the ones we're using this week. What, what kind of uh, line did you see on CBS Sports Line? Oh, uh, they have Jets plus one. Oh, okay. So Indianapolis and minus think, one and a half is you know, it's just a half point off. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, um, the the Colts are favored in this game, one and a half. And obviously, they think Andrew Luck's going to play. I, I can't imagine they would be favored if he doesn't. Um, yeah, so, if there were um, any if there were any doubt about it, there wouldn't be a line on this game, but I see a line all the uh-huh. way across, almost all the way across the board here. Okay. Well, I know he's still in concussion protocol, but they I suppose they had extra time for this week too, but uh wow. I think I'll go uh I think I'll go with in this one. I think they can make enough plays. I think they can I think if obviously if Luck plays, I think they they could pull this one out. I think even if Tolzien plays, it would be a a better game than people would imagine. So I'll, I'll take the Colts. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm with you, and especially if Luck plays. If Luck doesn't play, I think all bets are off. But provided that Andrew Luck plays, the Colts still have something to play for. They're uh, you know only one game out in their division, surprisingly enough. Whereas the Jets at three and eight, pretty much their season is over. So just because they have more motivation, I'm going to go with the Colts. Let's put it this guys this way, guys. We're assuming that uh, Andrew Luck is going to play. So if he doesn't, we'll all have an excuse on uh, on Tuesday morning to say why we lost the game. Um, is there a team that's any more in purgatory than the Jets? Do they don't they always just to seem seem to just sit there, not, not getting any better, not getting a whole lot worse? Just they're kind of there, you know. I think they need a quarterback or something, but uh, nonetheless, I'm going to agree yeah. with you guys, and I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and take the Colts in this game, just because it's time for their late season push, and uh, they lost last week, yeah, to the Steelers. That was a tough one too. Didn't they uh, have a couple of chances to score in the end zone late there against the Steelers to at least cover the spread? <laughs> I had in the Apples on it. Well, I had Indianapolis yeah, on a teaser, and I got like 15, and all they needed was one more touchdown there at the end. So that was akin to uh, to winning the game for me right there. But I, I was impressed with how they moved the ball nonetheless, and, and uh, Chuck Pagano doesn't let him quit. He, uh, They love playing for him, and I I, I think the Colts will, uh, will come out ahead on this one. Speaking of, you know, you talked about the Jets, too, and their quarterback situation. I'm pretty sure I heard a stat last year that they hadn't had a quarterback throw, like, more than 15 touchdown passes for, like, 15 seasons or 10 seasons. It was crazy. Just 15 touchdown passes. It was insane. And Fitzpatrick obviously threw for 31 last year. But, uh, yeah, that was the the best performance they've got out of the quarterback in a long time. He's only got 10 this year, so. Yeah, it's crazy. They they thought all their prayers were in. Remember when uh, Fitzpatrick held out and um, 
you know, they were, they were, you know, Marshall was saying, hey, pay him the money and everything like that. And now he's just, uh, he's reverted back to Brian Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. So did we clean sweep that last one? We did. Should we recap the clean sweeps? We only had, well, we had four of them. That's kind of our average. We all like Detroit plus six at New Orleans. Very interested in the uh, outcome of that one because it looks too easy, and that's always a danger sign. Uh, We all take Tampa Bay plus the three and a half at San Diego. We are all taking the uh, Giants plus six against Pittsburgh. And like you just said, uh, we're all taking Indianapolis minus one and a half against the Jets on Monday. Okay, so three dogs and one favorite. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, as always, Chuck, we thank you for being our, our man in Vegas there, and we hope, hope you have a good week. Thanks, you guys. Great talking to you, and we will uh, talk to you next week at the same time. Yes, sir. Always great stuff from Chuck as he gives us great great insight there from America's home of sports betting, if you will, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Nick, any closing thoughts there? Um, yeah, just like you said, uh, always good to have Chuck on, giving us insights from uh, a place where I've never been, Las Vegas. But definitely uh, would be – I look forward to one day going there and seeing everything they have to offer. So, yeah, uh, good luck to everybody in the playoff push this week. Yep, a lot of – a lot of last week, maybe some playoffs even starting this week. A lot of uh, last week uh, of the regular season for you, a lot of you. So hopefully, hopefully you can make the playoffs. And if you have any uh, sit or start questions, certainly tweet out to me, and Nick will certainly be willing to answer them for you. So that is all we have for you today. Um, I, <laughs> I did, Nick. I did think of potentially the worst possible dynasty dilemma that we could do during the show uh, if we did Cody Kessler versus. Uh, Matt Barkley, a couple USC quarterbacks, but uh, obviously we're not going to do that because <laughs> nobody would listen. Uh, uh, but uh, I'll figure I'll figure I'll figure a dilemma out for next week. So uh, thank you, and talk to you, talk to you next week, Nick. Sounds good. <laughs> Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Nikki, Gil, 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 Gil,